Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, those on the right and those on the left tend to look at the economy in very different ways. So different that uh, there could never be any real agreement, right? That's sort of the conventional wisdom. But if you look past the labels and past the headlines and past, past all the talking points, maybe maybe there is actually some common ground in there. And I think working together could help America embrace a real pro-growth agenda, which I think would be good for everybody's pocket, left, right, center, and everyone in between. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, as we look at where everyone is coming from as it relates to the economy and the impact there, uh, can we really get past the the traditional kind of uh, predictable typecasting conversations about the left and the right and the economy? Uh, and someone who's been looking at that closely, Brian Riedel, of course, is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute focusing on budget, tax and economic policy. Of course, he was uh, Senator Rob Portman's chief economist and lead architect of the 10-year deficit reduction plan for Mitt Romney's presidential campaign. Brian joins us now. Brian, thanks for jumping on with us today. Glad to be here. Thank you. So you uh, you tweeted out a few interesting things over the uh, over the week. I guess it was yesterday, actually, that uh, uh, you found that maybe even some of the, the liberal thinking might actually see some supply side economics in there. Is, is this cats and dogs living together? Or is this uh, an opportunity? Supply-side economics has been beaten up as this terrible conservative boogeyman about tax cuts for the rich. But it really doesn't – regardless of how you feel about tax cuts, supply-side economics doesn't have to be a dirty word. What supply-side economics means is that instead of just focusing on the demand side of the economy, which is usually just means handing out money, giving people money, um, printing money, moving money around – Supply-side economics says let's focus on productivity, let's focus on investment and innovation and encouraging investment and making the economy more productive to produce more things because ultimately that's how an economy grows. You don't get wealthy from redistributing money. You get wealthy from making more stuff. And just to to put a number on that – The difference between productivity growth of 1% versus 3% per year is the difference between your income doubling every 20 years or every 70 years. (laughs) That's how important productivity (laughs) growth is. And what some liberals are finally coming around to saying is, 
well, actually, maybe we do need to focus more on productivity and investment and wealth creation, not just demand side. So that's a good sign. Yeah, and, and I think looking at that, I know one of the other things that you shared yesterday uh, was was how you actually promote that and produce that. And, uh, of course, uh, the liberals have, have typically put their faith in government to drive innovation and productivity. Uh, but it does seem like there's at least a space now. You can get some common ground, some common language, uh, and maybe some common solutions that everybody could get behind. That's right. I mean, uh, liberals and conservatives have very different views of how how supply-side economics can work in practice. Uh, you know, for instance, if conservatives believe we need more investment and innovation, conservatives would say, let's give the private sector more incentives, let's give businesses more incentive and give families more incentives. What liberals will more say is, well, let's have more government programs where the government does the investing and the innovating, or the government is micromanaging it more. There's clearly disagreement on how it's on how it's done. But the important thing is we, we both agree on innovation and investment. And once you agree on those goals, then you can start to narrow down a little more common ground on on how how do we go about encouraging these sorts of investment, R and D, growth, uh, and productivity factors? Uh, I love that, and uh, it's such a good model in terms of a, a host of other things that we could talk about in terms of housing or medicine or high skilled immigrants, whatever it is. Is if you can just agree on a set of outcomes, and and so as it relates to the economy, yes, let's let's take a look at we need more R and D, we need infrastructure, we need more investment. Uh, in that kind of thing. Now, how do we go about it? Let's have that discussion second. Let's start with some common ground first. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, there's there's areas where we do need more of an abundance agenda. We need more doctors. We need more medical providers. We need more housing. Um, we need more slots at elite colleges. We need more infrastructure. And, you know, for the for the last 20 years, again, you've heard a lot more from the left was this Keynesian, if we increase spending and give more money to individuals and we print more money, well, I think we've kind of hit a dead end on that. Uh, we have huge inflation, redistribution doesn't work. And from the progressive left, we'd heard a lot of the economy doesn't even matter. Um, work is overrated. You shouldn't have to work. Um, economic growth is all about capitalist exploitation. I'm really glad that we're not, you know, talking as much about that anymore either, that working is capitalist exploitation or let's just give people dollars. We need, again, more housing, more medical providers, more high-skilled immigrants, more infrastructure, more R&D. You know, I think we have a growing economy and a growing population, and we, we have these needs and these bottlenecks that need to be solved. Yeah, and as you look at those uh, those, there are clearly some lessons that each side can learn. What, what are some of the things that the free marketers uh, side of the equation, what, what should they be learning from the lib- liberals in terms of how we approach it? What is the proper role of government? Yeah, I think, I think conservatives have been a little short-sighted in terms of only really looking at low tax rates to drive investment and innovation. I think that there is more you can do. I mean, let's face it. As long as as long as we're going to have a big education system, we need to focus a lot more on getting people skills, uh, getting getting not just kids in school who are 10 and 12 years old, but mid-career skills, technical skills, going getting people back into work, things like prisoner reentry. Uh, people get out of jail often; they don't have a lot of skills. 
doing more to get them the job training they need for reentry. And, you know, there are some parts of R&D that, frankly, the free market is always going to be a little slow on because there's not a there's not the, the commercial payoff that closely. Sometimes you just kind of have to do basic research that you don't know where it's going to end up and you don't know how much money it's going to make. Businesses are going to be a little slow to do that um, if they don't see the payoff. And so there are, there are times where you will need some more government. I think I still wouldn't go nearly as far as liberals would on that, but I, I think that, you know, supply-side economics is more than just lower tax rates. Yeah, I think that's so important. And if both sides can get out of the demonization of the other as, uh, you know, one is just, you know, big government, big bureauc- bureaucratic socialism, and the other is just, you know, uh, everyone for themselves and, and uh, everyone be prepared to be exploited by the big bad capitalists. Uh, I think if we can start with some common ground that we do need more innovation, we do need the ability to produce more uh, and start from that space, uh, I think it can really change the conversation. Uh, Brian Riedel, Senior Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, uh, always appreciate your perspective. This is an important conversation. I think this could be a good model, as you mentioned, for, for solving a lot of big issues in the country. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Brian. We'll have you back again real soon. Always love Brian's take. Uh, he does a great job of getting us to what's the outcome. And, and too often we get so bogged down in the political Uh, of all of these conversations, that if we would just start from a different perspective and just say, yeah, regardless of how we get there, we both agree we need more innovation in this country. We need more production in this country. And if we start there, then we can debate and find some other common ground. And that always gets us to higher ground, which is what all of our political debate and discussion should really be about in the end. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.